Welcome back to another edition of Maverick University. I'm your host, David Hallberg. Joining me today is evangelist Tim Green. Brother uh, Green was kind enough to join us after preaching chapel today at Providence Baptist College, and uh, we've enjoyed several conversations with him already. You can check out those previous conversations on our YouTube channel or on the audio-only podcast platforms that we're on. And so thank you so much for joining us again, uh, Brother Green. It's a pleasure having you. Um, one of the things I've noted whenever you preach is sometimes you'll reference uh, a period in your life where you had gotten away, uh, kind of a prodigal type situation in your life. Um, and I just wanted to see if we would be able to discuss that a little bit to try and be a help. Maybe it's, maybe it's a teen who is you know, struggling, and maybe it's a pastor's kid like you were um, who's struggling. Maybe it's a parent or a pastor uh, who has a child that is, you know, wandering and, you know, they don't know what to do. And, um, and maybe your story can be a little bit of an encouragement to them um, and kind of, you know, tell us a little bit about what happened with you and it can apply it to their own lives as well. So Yeah, I, I don't know why uh, I walked down the path of prodigality for sure. Mm-hmm. There's things that happened in my life um, I made a profession of faith when I was an eight-year-old kid, but uh, it was a mistake. My dad had motioned for somebody to shut a window in the auditorium at the invitation time, and I, I went. I thought he wanted me to come forward. You know, I, it was on that side of the building, and uh, of course, in our my dad's old building, it was. You know, if you had 250 people in, it was packed, and it was packed, mm-hmm. and so I. <laughs> You know, I went forward, and uh, I don't know if he asked me if I wanted to be saved, and I just said yes, and you know, went through the motions. But I didn't get born again. Mm. Uh, I did not receive the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior at that time, because uh, it was a mistake. And so time went by, and you know, I hung around the wrong crowd, and uh, a lot of time I was the wrong crowd. Mm. Um, you know, I went to public school. It wasn't bad, but the public school, when I went to school in the 50s and 60s, was uh, pretty mu- uh, mundane compared to what it became. Sure, yeah. Even high school was <clears throat> pretty well controlled. I mean, it was very strict. You, know, you, you had to dress right to come to school. Uh, all the girls wore dresses to school. Of course, they might have been yeah. a little bit too short. But but even in a Christian time. school setting, you can be around the wrong crowd. Exactly. I think, really, probably the worst bunch, I went to public school one year, Mm -hmm. seventh grade, and I probably learned more deviltry there than I did any place else. And it was just the guys I hung around with. Because they were what I was. They were lost. Uh, The lost kids, and one of them, my best friends were a couple of black kids who went there. Uh, They didn't want to be there either. Their mother was really a godly woman. And she wanted her kids there. Uh, I don't think they lasted but that one year. And they probably are, if they're talking to people today, I hung around that one white kid, Green. You know, he was the problem. <laughs> and we were, we, you know, we yeah. just, we were, we were the same. We were lost kids in a place we probably shouldn't have been. Uh, and it didn't help us any. And then I went to public school. And, of course, <clears throat> I played football in high school and hung around the sports guys and then other guys and you just you know you the car guys and the guys fooling around and uh, got out of high school and uh, went to college 
just a, a community college here in town, and really got hanging around the wrong guys there and the wrong people and doing all kinds of stuff that I have, you know, I'm not going to mention publicly because I don't want my kids to know what I did. Mm -hmm. uh, for five years, it was a downward roll. And my father caught me over the telephone. You know, he had a line, and I had—I you know, was on the other line, and he just happened to pick up at the same time. Friend had called me, and was planning a big party, and my dad found out about it. So uh, I knew I was dead meat. So I went to church on Wednesday. It was a Wednesday night, I think. I'm pretty sure it was a Wednesday night, and he preached and. Uh, as sure as I'm sitting here, the devil sat down beside, sat in the back row where I always did, you know, fooled around with my buddies. And uh, the devil said, you know, you just thought you ought to go forward. I mean, you ought to go forward right in the middle of this message. Nobody's ever done that before here, Tim, at the church. And pretend like you're getting saved. And he, he, your old man won't bug you. It'll be over. He won't kill you. Hmm. <laughs> so I said, well, I guess I'll do that. And uh, so that's what I did. And I broke up the service, you know, and cried some crocodile tears and got baptized and walked out of that baptismal pool just as lost as I was when I went in. Mm. And time went on and, uh, you know, another couple of three years. And a, and a bunch of guys, it was the uh, end of, the, end of uh, 1969, the fall of 69, and end of the spring of 70. There was four or five guys that got saved that were uh, guys that had gone to the same high school that I had gone to. They were mm -hmm. lost kids, no pretense about it. And somehow they got connected with the church, and these guys got born again. These guys, But they were all older than me. They were three or four years ahead of me in high school. Sure. So I knew about them, and mm -hmm. I knew what they were. And here these guys are getting born again. I mean, getting genuinely converted. And I knew I didn't have that. So uh, I, I, their conversion helped bring Holy Ghost conviction on me. Mm -hmm. And so the Lord dealt with me for, I don't know, five or six months. And I'm reading my Bible, you know, and all this, you know, reading a page a day, you know, trying to placate God, I guess. Sure. And, uh, and then finally I, I went and uh, wakened my dad at about 2.30 in the morning on the 15th day of March, 1970. And... Uh, he went in the bedroom and led me to the Lord. I, I got saved down beside a bed I'd slept on for 18 years of my life. And I genuinely got born again that night, or that morning. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and uh, just completely changed my life. So this was toward I, the I end of your senior year of high school? No, no, no. no. This was, this was, I was 21 years old. Oh, okay. This right. was, after, I was in college. Yeah, I was in college. Too, I was just getting, I was going to graduate from college from junior college. I'd been accepted at Central Michigan. I didn't know what I wanted to do, uh, but when I got saved, then I, uh, I went to Dr. Malone's school in Pontiac uh, after that. But I, uh, I don't know what led to it. I, I just, I think it's the natural bent of a sinner to sin. Mm -hmm. I don't think, <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't think it's a plan. It was just, it was a normal thing to do is to sin. Because I was a sinner. I, I was an unsaved boy who knew a lot about the Bible. You know, you'd go to the vacation Bible school in the summer. I'd always win. Guy that memorized me, 75, 80 verses, whatever it took to win, I'd do it. Yeah. 
you know, I could find them short ones and you know, Jesus <laughs> wept and, you know, those kind of things. Absolutely. I, I didn't nail it, man. And, uh, you know, I knew. I, I knew what I was supposed to do. And I, yeah, I hung around with the, uh, there was good kids that came to church. Came from, uh, they were good boys, but they, uh, they, their parents were bad people. Their parents didn't even come to church. I mean, they were bus kids or however they got there. And I, those are the kids I'd hang around. I didn't hang around any spiritual kids that mm -hmm. went to my dad's church. I wasn't interested in that. Or the spiritual girls. <laughs> my wife wasn't a spiritual girl. I mean, the, the girl I ended up marrying, she got saved two days after I did. And we had, a, my dad, it started a revival. It was a planned revival meeting. But I got saved on March the 15th, which was a Sunday morning, early, 2.30 in the morning. Well, the revival meeting started that day with a great evangelist by the name of Dolphus Price. Mm -hmm. So he preached all week. I, I was still going to college. At, uh, I had a couple classes I had to take at night. I went during the day also, but I had a couple night classes. So on Tuesday night, I had to uh, go to school, go to college. And uh, so my wife, she wasn't my wife then, my girlfriend, we were engaged. Uh, she went to church, and she got born again that night. There wow. were 33 people got saved in that revival that week. 31 of us got baptized. And, um, uh, of course, she genuinely got born again, too. She, I don't know if she had ever really made a profession or not, ever in her life. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, running with me, you knew she wasn't a good girl. <laughs> so... That was obvious. She needed yeah. to be saved hanging around a preacher's Well, that'll kid. change a church. I mean, if she was a church member, there are... Her belong. parents were, yeah, yeah. Her parents were. Wow, that'll change a church when the church... Yeah, it was a great saved. revival. It yeah. really was. And uh, the heyday of my dad's church, it, it, there was really a revival that started at the latter part of the 60s and really lasted the, uh, probably for a decade. Mm -hmm. the, the, all of the 70s was really a revival spirit. It was exciting every service to go to church because something was going to happen, yeah. uh, good or bad or ugly. <laughs> uh, you know, we had a revival meeting with a guy one time, and uh, he was kind of a famous preacher. He made all those Christian films, The Burning Hell and The Footman and all those old films. His name was Estes Perkle. And he's preaching, and a lot of people came. The building was packed. And some guy started hollering out, chapter and verse, chapter and verse. I don't know what he was preaching about. Yeah. Chapter and verse, you know. And so I'm sitting in the second row, and this, another one of those guys that had gotten saved that was three or four years older than me, sure. he's sitting in the second row across the aisle from me. And I looked at him, and he looked at me, and we nodded our heads. We went back and grabbed that guy and pulled that <laughs> fool out of there. <laughs> and there was another guy in the church that didn't have any sense, and he, he got in a fight with the guy's wife. And oh my that, was, that was a bad deal. But yeah. I mean, it was fun. I mean, it was fun to go to church <laughs> because something was going to happen. Somebody's got to pop the popcorn. You Somebody, never know. buddy. That was, it was great. That's you know, funny. A lot of stuff happened. Well, I mean, the thing you're talking about is the common denominator is just you don't have the Holy Spirit. You're not saved. That's right. Uh, and ultimately, to call someone a prodigal means they had to have left something they had. But well, a prodigal, the word prodigal means wastrel. Waster, yeah. Somebody who's yeah. wasted. And I wasted That's my true. life. Okay. I wasted the opportunities I had. Mm. I, I, I wasted uh, really the first 21 years of my life mm -hmm. on me. 
what I wanted to do and how I wanted to do it. You know, I, my dad would, um, he make us, obviously we had to dress a certain way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'd get out of the house and get rid of those clothes and put on what I wanted to put on. You know, and I'm, you know, I'm not talking, you know, I would wear Bermuda shorts or something, you know, yeah. which kids were wearing back in those days uh, in the summertime. But that would, you know, that would be about the only thing I, uh, my dad knew. He didn't know that I was doing that. Yeah. You know, my dad never caught me in any of my foolishness, and that was, that would be the least of my foolishness was doing that. <laughs> Uh, you know, I got I got into sin. Yeah. I mean, I, I did all the stuff that the kids were doing back in those days. I mean, I've never really heard you go into great detail about the story before. Um, I always assumed that maybe you got out of church completely, but your story indicates that. Well, you, I you, went Sunday mornings. Okay. Yeah, you you just about had to. Okay. Live to stay at the house. Okay. Uh, I did things on Sunday that he didn't like, and uh, I knew enough to. I knew enough to keep myself out of trouble mm-hmm. which is dangerous oh certainly you you know enough to, yeah. to act the part yeah. and to, to try and fool yeah. somebody about it and well I did things I mean uh, I don't know how my it, maybe my parents knew what I was doing I don't know yeah but I was never confronted over it and I, so in, from my perspective I never got caught mm. and I don't I really don't think I ever got caught I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't a every once in a while. It was every week. Yeah. Every day. Um, just wickedness. So the point being, if a parent has a child, they don't have to be out of church to be a prodigal. That's right. They, you know, you, you talked about right. how you were fulfilling your religious obligation, yes. reading your one page of Bible yeah. per day. Oh, I think they're prodigal parents. Certainly. They're, they're <clears throat> just they're wastrels, and it's a, it's a shame. In our churches, and there's a lot of prodigality right now in this country. You got a whole bunch of people don't even go to church now because they can sit home and watch it. They're never going to go back to church. No, it's a wasted opportunity They're to never go to church. Go. That's you know? right. I was uh, preaching in a meeting in uh, September, I think it was, and the pastor told me he had three families that told him they're never coming back to church. One of them, the wife called, and she said, "We have." come to the determination that the church has gotten in the way of our family and we are never going back to church. Now listen, if you were a faithful church member Mm -hmm. and you went Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, six hours, maybe six hours of your life, you know, and you you get 170 some hours in a week, you know, you can't give six to God. But, I mean, that's a strange place to get to. Yeah, Th- that woman's a prodigal. So it's just not a child. It's not just That's the teenagers right. who are prodigals. That's it right. can be parents. It doesn't matter who you are. Wasting an opportunity, wasting whatever exactly. God is giving. Exactly, I think. That's what I think. That's you, what I preach. Do you think, in most cases, um, kids that grow up in church like you did and end up going a different direction, in your opinion, do you think that most of those situations it's a salvation issue? I like, think so. Like it was for you. I really do think so. I think parents, some parents, you know, try to get their kids saved too quick. Hmm. You know, you can't save your children. It's impossible to save a child. Now, I've observed another interesting thing this year. I'll probably get in trouble saying this. But I have been in two homes 
where they have Bible verses, and some of them elaborate. They're beautiful. I'd love to have them in my home, mm -hmm. in every single room of their house. But in these two particular homes, all a great percentage of their children have all become prodigals, mm -hmm. and far worse than me. Whether it's a rebellion against the Word of God, mm -hmm. I don't know what it is. It's it's been an I've never noticed it before until I noticed the second family that had all these Bible verses up. I knew the first, I never even thought about the first family because I pray for their children. Sure. These are grown children that are way out in sin. And they had all these Bible verses all the time. And you would hmm. think it would have a positive impact and a spiritual influence in these kids' lives, but. Maybe it maybe it created some rebellion. I, I don't know. I don't have the answer. I just made the observation. That's an interesting observation. It is very it's it's counterintuitive. Been, it's been yes, it <clears throat> is. That's the exact term, counterintuitive. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. Uh, I think there's a lot we can gain from it uh, because um, every teenager goes through those phases where it. You mentioned it constantly. My friends, this friends, the people I was hanging out with. Even kids that are even sitting in the church pews with you um, can be the wrong crowd. Um, yeah. In a Christian school setting, you can have the wrong crowd. In a Bible college oh, setting. Oh, I think so. I think one of the things that caused <clears throat> my rebellion, I love my mom and dad. Mm -hmm. They were the first two people in the world I loved. And I saw them hurt by church people when I was young. Mm. When I, you know, 10, 12 before I got off into doing anything stupid. But I said, you know, there ain't much to this. There ain't much to that. You know, I respected this man and this woman, and look what they're doing. You, you ride home in the car, and your mom and dad, are, your, your mother's crying, mm. and your dad is, is, you know, he's a hoss. And so he's just saying, honey, it'll be all right, it'll be all right. And you're 12 years old sitting in the back seat, and, you know, Mrs. Jones or Mrs. Smith or whatever, they making your mama cry. Mm. Uh, I think that had an impact on me. Sometimes preachers' kids carry a heavier burden than any other yeah, kids Yeah, I don't know. It was do. a, it was a burden, is, I don't know. But you see stuff you shouldn't have seen. Mm. And nobody should do that to a, a, you know, a, a preacher or anybody, really, sure. that would, uh, you know, and maybe my mother shouldn't have said anything. I don't know. I wouldn't, I'm not going to say anything bad about my mom. <laughs> She's been gone a long time, but I'm going to see her again someday. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing that with us. It's definitely a blessing, and it sure be helped to a lot of people, Brother Green. If you want to check out our other conversations with Brother Green and future ones as well, check out our YouTube channel. Uh, you can like uh, the videos. You can comment. You can also subscribe to the YouTube channel and all of our audio-only platforms as well. Thanks so much for tuning in.